guys really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big, big trust. trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me We're back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, who we'll get to in a second here, but wanted to open the show up with a shout-out to our great presenting sponsor, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, uh, a great place to pop in and get yourself some crab cakes, some half-and-half half soup, perhaps, some nice fish dishes that they have. Just plenty of great stuff going on over at Jimmy's all the time. But I uh, wanted to very quickly uh, aid in their announcement of the fact that they are going to be an op- be doing an opening day tailgoat uh, March 28th uh, for the Orioles opening day, uh, or I guess their season opener there at Camden Yards. Uh, we will be in attendance. I think we're going to be getting a live show going. Uh, it is going to be uh, hosted or, you know, we're at least going to have uh, one DJ Paulie D on the turntables uh, doing the music. Nick Markakis is going to be in attendance. So if you're interested in attending, hanging out with us, having a few beers, maybe, uh, you know, pay some attention to the live show that we got going. Uh, check out Jimmy's Famous Seafood.com in their events tab and get your tickets right now. I'm sure they're going to sell out real quick. It's coming up on us. March is next month. We're only three weeks away. That's a good feeling. How, how, how are you feeling, my friend? Feeling pretty good. Feeling all right. Hibernated the last couple of days. I'm about to head out to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. A little bachelor party action there. So I've been trying to get my beauty sleep in now, which I have done. I've been like a bear. Got a nice little haircut. Got a dermaplane on my face. Felt fantastic. Feel like a newborn baby. You look and, you look really good. Yeah, I'm, I feel good. Derma, I highly recommend. If you've never gotten a dermaplane, treat yourself. I need to. uh, I I ran out of keels recently, and so I've been kind of, and it's pretty expensive. So I've been kind of waiting to get another one, and I'm just like, my skin is dying. And whenever I I wear the breathe rights too at night sometimes, and my I I just got a red strip right here from it, just skin peeling off. I'm in. Get yourself a dermaplane. It makes you feel like a baby, a newborn baby. I like ate kind of crappy last night. Just ate something quick and a little salty. I woke up and was like, Felt all gross. And then I got the dermaplane. I was like, oh, my eyes are open and they work. Wow. Yeah. It'll like, you know, you, they kind of give you a little rub while you're doing it. It's the old wrinkle off the forehead, all that stuff. So go, go. I, I said to my barber, Sam, my one of my best friends, I was like, I feel like I scraped all the crud of football season off my face just now. And he was like, oh, yeah. So real nice. Treat yourself. Go uh, go get yourself dermaplane, fellas. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of crud to scrape off there too. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a skincare guy either. I like really don't do much at all. And so when I do something, it feels like, Ooh, wow, that's nice. Real nice. Yeah. I exfoliate like maybe once or twice a week. And like after that, that's always a, always a nice feeling that can dry you out quick though. You don't want to do that too much. Definitely. Definitely. I, I got a nice little oil. So yeah. Self-care, self-care Tuesday, 7am flight, excited. Going to be watching the Super Bowl there. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I decided like, I was thinking about George Kittle. Like he's the man. I want to see George Kittle win this one. I want to I see him see, have a big game. I, w- I was thinking, uh, I want to see Brock Purdy get one just for all that. Just the, the takes the, the take hurricane that I know is going to drive you up. A I f- did. I did say he's not the guy in like October. I was like, he's not the guy. He's not him. He is not him. And I, not like I'd been watching a ton of their tape at the time, but I'd watched games on the broadcast and, 
I don't know. That was that little stretch where they were in the gutter and Trent Williams and Debo are out and all that stuff. And why can't he, he just be like the 12th best quarterback in the league? Yeah, like, he is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, on a rookie contract and he's on a cheap rookie contract. So, of course, you're I saw some kind of just talking the ethos, the Twitter sphere going on of saying like there should be a hard knocks of just a front office or like a couple front offices eventually so that we can realize like they're not that smart. Like a lot of them are dumb and make dumb decisions and do dumb shit and people get jobs that they shouldn't. I'm sure most of them are. I mean, all of them are smart in some regard and are well-educated, this, that, and the other, but you kind of have to be an idiot. I feel like if your quarterback costs 800 grand, get some fucking talent around them. Like if that was your plan going into this year, you should be loaded up, especially if it's not even, it's not even like he had a fields contract, like a couple mil. He's got the minimum. He's got the, the teeniest, tiniest contract. So 49ers already had a lot of that in place, which is why they are so good. But you're an idiot. If you're planning on starting a cheap quarterback and you don't do anything around them, you're probably going to suck. That's probably the way it is. And you look at a team like the Jags that kind of spent ish and they're good ish, but no, go capitalize. That's supposed to be the window. And I feel like teams aren't doing that as much as they were. Yeah. The Ravens kind of, you know, they, I, I wouldn't say they knocked it completely out of the park with the receiving options that they put around Lamar when he was cheap. They got kind of yeah. fucked with Stanley. They signed Williams. He was hurt a lot. They, they made some big money moves. Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely did. It was just like, which, how are you allocating it necessarily? Which I, I think they, and we'll get into it obviously uh, with the off season review we're going to do later in the pod, but uh, it, it was just kind of like, maybe we could, reallocate x y or z there brock purdy i, I also did like and i it's funny because i had this thought the other day but i didn't tweet it somebody put it out there today that he looks like lee harvey oswald and uh i think i was talking to you on the uh <laughs> we were playing golf the other day that i'm reading uh 11 um the the stephen king book about going back in time and trying to kill lee harvey oswald so yeah a, a good full circle moment for me there and maybe uh shanny's gonna be up there on the grassy knoll on uh this sunday and maybe try to try to put a stop to the uh, motorcade that the Kansas city chiefs have proven themselves to be. He does look a little bit like uh, the old Lee boy there. Just a, just a smidge kind of has the nose. It's kind of the nose and the brow a little, something like he, that. He got asked about this. I don't know who had the, the, who had the balls to ask him about also, this. Shout out to you for calling Kyle Shanahan, the Lee Harvey Oswald of the chiefs motorcade. That was, that was 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like he, he, somebody asked like Purdy about this at the, uh, media day today and he he was just vexed like he was just sitting there like had no words for like 10 straight seconds he's like yeah i i don't know i don't know that's 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 a tough one to answer shout out to kyle shanahan drunk at the media availability seemingly as well he was man was in the mix there it looked like jack had an awesome i'll try and go find it jack had an awesome little line moving question where he asked kyle shanahan what color gatorade is his favorite while kyle's seemingly like somebody i think the kp show is a 49er show said i can tell a tito's slur when when i see one here i've got the the video from jack here let me see if i can share all right share screen there we go all right share audio this should be coming on here let's what's your favorite color gatorade what do you drink on game day? Water or Gatorade? Coach, what's mm. so that was uh, a long thing. Now I'm just in hell. Whatever's happening is hell right now to me. Jack says that he uh, 
Jack says he moved the line from plus 550 on orange to 325 with that question. So Jack out there is doing the Lord's work. That's a, yeah, that's some ink under the field. Should have brought him back for this episode. I bet I wonder what he eh, he might be out and about. I think he's a little busy. He's like playing in poker tournaments and shit and just like yeah. just gallivanting around the world. Tough life. This would have been a good this would have been a phone pop-in from him. I might text him and see if he can do a phone pop-in. Maybe we could do it later in the week. I don't know when he's flying back out, but yeah, we, we should at some point. Yeah, but yeah, those were all fun. Perhaps on the strip, you know. Shanahan's your boy, too. You want to see Shanahan get this title. Hell yeah. All this all this talk about MVP, like Brock Purdy's got to be MVP. Oh, no, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. Like, no, it's fucking Kyle Shanahan if we're going to do this. Like, that's the guy. That's always been the guy. It's always going to be the guy. It's, it's Shanny and it's nobody else. It is. And I don't know. This kind of feels like a weird... I know we try not to put too much into one game, but eventually Kyle Shanahan trip, you know, kind of number three in a way for him. And this, this is a big deal. And Kyle Shanahan seemed pretty loose. I don't know. Big, big deal. Loose, you know, if he's slugging Tito's before the, uh, the media availability, do what you do. Keep the routine, the routine. If you slug Tito's during the week, have a, have a little drink, Kyle, have a little drinky poo. Yeah. Listen, that's fine. And yeah, I, I will be rooting for him with a fervor. Uh, in this game, I just the antics of this uh, this other team that they're going to be playing and uh, some of the ancillary characters surrounding it. I'm good on all that. You can take it all the way. 49ers uh, all the way for me. Uh, Jack says he is free to hop on. I'm going to shoot him a link. See if he hops on here. He says okay. free right now. I asked him to hop on from his phone. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Then we can filibuster until we until we were ready. Well, so, so what we can talk about here for a minute is that, you know, the, the big matchup on paper is the 49ers 12 personnel. Or excuse me, 21 personnel with Yushchak, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk versus the Chiefs, which is their Achilles heel. And we'll get into the Ravens season review here. And thinking of that and seeing that the Ravens didn't run any of that when that is also their strong suit and also even gave the 49ers trouble with was insane. And we have Jack coming in live. Perfect time. Are you on Radio Row right now, sir? Yeah, I am. Look at that jacket. Let's see the fit. Yeah, fit Jack. That's nice. Oh, There's that's not really much nice. more going on down there. Hell yeah. Live from Radio Row, Jack Settledance, Snapback Sports. Look at—I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you're getting a look at uh, just a convention line hanger wherever they are. Amazing stuff. What's up, boys? What's up? What's uh? What's the best thing you've eaten since you've been there? Uh, I had fried chicken and waffles last night at Yard Brick. They were pretty good, so I enjoyed that. They got like a jalapeno cheddar waffle, so I would say that. I mean, I've only been here for 24 hours, but that's the that's the easy one. Mama Fuku tonight, so you know, we got a, yeah, we got a good slate of of eating to do. Eat our sorrows away. Weirdest thing you've seen so far this week? Uh, that. Me and Roger were seated for breakfast at the exact same time this morning. Um, I call him Roger just because just we, you know, eat together. Of course, you know? yeah, 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 first yeah. name basis. Um, but for those, Roger Goodell. Um, oh, right, so right, right, right. Yeah. Just for those, yeah, for those who aren't in the know. That is probably the weirdest. I wasn't, I was within probably like 10, 12 feet of him, but I was facing this way. He was facing the other way, so I didn't get much intel on the script for Sunday. But, yeah, I would say that's probably the weirdest thing. Somebody you- broke the news that uh, it's going to be a double overtime game. I think it was one of the uh, the head of officiating guys. Yeah, that was so funny. They're, I mean, hey, credit to them. I did a campaign for the NFL this year, which was like you couldn't make this stuff up. 
they're buying into the script. So that's that's why the Ravens lost because this whole shtick is scripted. That's what we're going with. I the, listen. The further we away we get from that game, the more I'm buying into it. Uh, speaking of buying in, are we hitting the tables at all yet? How, how are we doing? We night one, we have not hit the tables. Night two, I have called for a business meeting at the tables later tonight. So we'll we will definitely be active in the casino. I do need to. So we're standing at the Venetian. Most media is over here at the Mandalay Bay, but um, the wind, the wind's going to be the hot spot. That's where Goodell was this morning. So most people aren't here yet. Like radio was fairly dead. Marlon's coming in tomorrow. More players like Saquon, Trevor Lawrence are coming in tomorrow and Thursday. So once people get in town, I'm going to hit the wind and just people watch because I, I mean, on my flight over from LA, front row, some, you know, 58 year old man who wishes he was 28 wearing some four million dollar watch and a black briefcase so it's just incredible talent out here for people watching for me you're gonna have to chain smoke all the cigarettes possible that's my favorite activity in las vegas just chain smoking cigarettes anywhere and anywhere i can get my hands we on. need rovell we need rovell how many cigarettes were smoked during super bowl week in the venetian <laughs> casino he's probably he's probably walking around there somewhere go find him I love Darren. I'll text him. He he on he's actually probably they need a sixty for sixty on his or thirty for thirty on his radio row. He comes. I mean, you like could a do dope. a sixty for sixty. Say, yeah, you yeah. back vertical sixty for but sixty. He'll he'll walk around radio row and he's got his his sheet of interviews and he does like eight minute spots and like you catch him with like having 90 seconds and he's like yeah, yeah this is this is the most bet on prop under the age of 42 for americans in nevada and then like he's on to his next interview it's it's quite funny yeah he, uh, he makes me laugh in many, many different ways that we don't have to get into what was uh what was your personal over under when arriving on changing a an available line did you think you would be able to change a line that quickly we just broke this down on the show so you're gonna have to listen to that's me. why we texted you because we were geeking out about you yeah your interview so, with uh, Tito's Kyle, as the people are calling him. Yeah. So tell me that, because I didn't hear about this until after the fact. Was there a real narrative or, or storm going around that he was drunk? It's just that a couple people, like I think one San Fran show, KP show, it's a big 49ers podcast and show and whatever. And one of them just tweeted and said, I know a Tito's slur when I see one or hear one. And then I was like, oh, and a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, he's he's been having a little fun out there. He was and, carrying around a cup of coffee. I see it. He looks tired in the eyes. He could have just been hung over, too. It's not like he was, like, actively right. drunk or something. He could have right. been, like, accidentally drunk from the it's night before. Effects. Google it. People, you know when he stops running the ball up 14 on Sunday, they're going to say he was drunk calling the game anyway. So I guess let that narrative run. Um, so – the backstory is actually pretty funny. 2021, or I guess, yeah, the Super Bowl, Mahomes, Brady. I go to the game in Tampa. This is the COVID year. So, like, every other seat is filled. And as a degenerate and also someone who had worked in the industry, I know that the Gatorade dump is a huge thing. That Super Bowl is famous because as it goes to get dumped on Arians, they flip to Mahomes on the bench. So there's no official view of what color the Gatorade was. And it was a blowout. So the only people watching at that point are literally the degenerates who are waiting for the Gatorade dump. And so I filmed it knowing that, like, I'm going to film the Gatorade dump. And I start getting my phone's blowing up. Oh, my God, what color is Gatorade? 
So I just put out a tweet, Gatorade is blue. And I became the identifiable source for every sports book, every DraftKings fan, everyone picked it up. It racks up millions of views and that's what they used to determine what color Gatorade was actually dumped on the coach. So that's the backstory. So BR Betting hit me up and said, you know, there's this fun narrative around Gatorade going into the week. Like, would you want to, you'll be on the ground. Would you want to do stuff? I was like, it's even cooler because I have this backstory. So last night we asked Shanahan, uh, Rasheed Rice, um, Rashi. Nick Bolton, Rashi, yeah. and, um, and like two other guys. So we have some other footage, but so we got that. The Shanahan one went viral. I've already, I actually have a guy on Twitter who's known for nailing the Gatorade stuff. He's, be, he's been DMing me, so I'll give you a little exclusive. While Shanahan's favorite color is orange, the Niners are actually a blue Gatorade team. So something to take. So essentially, if you're listening now, don't go bet orange just because Shanahan said it. Um, that's number one. We still have five days of uncovering. I'm going to talk to Marlon on Thursday about how the actual mechanics of it work, right? Because, like, what cooler has what colors? Are they all the same for the team? Like, what are the odds that – They're definitely know, dumping POW in there, too. They're not, like – it's not true. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all powder. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to talk to him. I'm actually attending a Gatorade party later this week, so I'm going <laughs> to get a scoop. So the whole thing is going to be funny. So I don't know how many more lines I'm going to move. I do know one thing, um, whatever the problem is, you can't bet it in the U S but I have a, a really good tip on the first song from Usher. Um, it's whatever the heavy favorite is. It's, it's down to minus 300, but that is confirmed the first song. So you can only like bet in like Canada or offshore. So I don't even know what the heavy that, favorite would be. It, Love in well, this club. It, it was like, yeah, I think to start, hold on. Okay. I think I have, okay. I think I have the, I, I literally, it's not a notable song. That's why I couldn't. Um, I would think it would be make love in this club or whatever. Love in this club. That would be my guess. That's a little too yeah. horny. to. This is, imp, this is important. So I'm going to get it for the people. It's caught, caught up is the name of the song. So I think this looks like Bavada, but. Um, We've got quite a few in Germany and Brazil and uh, Australia. It's already at minus 300, but sources would say that that's a a pretty good bet. Um, I mean, three to one's not that bad. No, it's minus 300. Minus 300. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got to lay juice. But if you're laying juice on a lock, I mean, you know, worst worst thing can happen. So a lot more lines to be moved. Everybody everybody bet that, and if it doesn't hit, Tweet at Jack Settleman. Uh, the Gatorade time. is blue. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I do always wonder, like, could they change it? But I don't think so at this point. I think like, they're worried about other stuff, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. The I mean, another funny Ravel story is like, so I worked at Action Network out of college, and Ravel went and worked at Action, and like the idiot he is, I love him to death, but he's an idiot, and he literally tweeted. I'm going to the rehearsal for the national anthem and I am not going to reveal whether it's going over or under. And everyone's like, then why the fuck are you tweeting it? Like you just, you're just being an asshole. Like if you have this information, cause it's crazy. I think it was Fox who was doing it that year. Like they take your phones. I remember not allowed this, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to uh, share. It's fully under NDA, but like, 
Like you're not going to yeah. tell your guys at the office, you know? Social cues, maybe not Darren's strongest suit, I think. <laughs> yeah. We were actually, yeah. it's funny. We were just talking about Brock Purdy looking like Lee Harvey Oswald. Darren has a very famous moment with JFK there on the old Twitter timeline. So. <laughs> he does. And someone First asked time. Brock last night about, um, you know, the girl who looks like him? Yes. yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, he I, answered the question, which was pretty, pretty funny for the players are definitely more aware of what we talk about on the internet than you would think they. Well, he are. also had a moment with John Harbaugh where John Harbaugh is like Brock Purdy had just suffered the most de- devastating loss of his career. And John Harbaugh walks up. He's just in a daze and John Harbaugh walks up to him. You know, people tell me we look alike. Right? Yeah. In his face and Brock's just like, yeah. John cool. Harbaugh and Darren Rovell social cues. I think that's what the Ravens fans think of John Harbaugh right now. In, in some moments I'd have to agree. I, you know, it's I, interesting I, though because the the pro athletes have officially pretty much turned like if you're a young star even you're gen z fully so yes. it it's fully turned to the point where they're it would be rare to find someone who's not hashtag online at this point yeah like marlon did you see marlon got caught up in in some shit today i didn't see today no so you saw his tweet about um Belichick not getting a job. I saw like a lot of people coming after him for that. Yeah. He was coming after him. And then today, I guess Deion Sanders yeah. was like, we got to teach these young kids some respect. We had and one so I- uh, one Ed Reed commenting on that, like truth. So yeah, that was tough. <laughs> so, tough. so that got picked up across the board. And then Marlon is commenting on the Instagram post, like, you know, I'm really getting killed for this. So it proves how <laughs> online these guys are. Marlon, who also famously goes dark during the season as well, and then comes out and immediately Hi. day day three gets himself into the crosshairs. Just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I asked, I asked uh, Willie Sneed last night about Marlon. I was like, all right, Marlon's coming out on Thursday. I need some you know, dirt on him. I need a funny story. He was like, Marlon's pretty much an open book, except he like with the cat. Like, does he still have snowflake? I'm like, yeah, he still has snowflake. So I think what we see of Marlon is kind of what we get. Yeah. You know, you, you got to give him that. You, you He does it his way. He's like Frank Sinatra. You know? <laughs> Do you guys have any uh, betting locks, betting lines that you need me to move in a direction so you can come in on some uh, good? I, I mean, I know, Sven, you're hitting a bunch of NBA hammer plays these days, but Super Bowl wise, what are we looking at? I mean, I haven't gone that deep yet. I'm still kind of waiting for the dust to settle on lines. I haven't seen anything early that really is like, I think is going to correct you. I'm sure there will be stuff. Um, I don't know. I tend to hammer Kelsey. Like all, all last year I hammered Kelsey receptions. Yeah. Last year I made a, like five grand off of Kelsey receptions, yards, touchdown, like everything. And then I don't know. I feel like the 49ers are going to, I haven't. I can't remember what it was. What is McCaffrey's carries total? Like twenty-one and a half, something like that. Yeah, and a half. something like twenty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is interesting to me. Um, I do like use check plays in general. I feel like he's going to be on the field more than he ever has. I feel like the 49ers are going to go the opposite of the Ravens and do nothing but run twenty-one personnel and start running like empty out of it and just make the Chiefs try and live in base. Um, so I like use check any any play of use check anytime touchdown anything use check. Yeah. I do like. He was he was actually the most popular guy on the floor last night. So 
the media sessions, everyone sees. Oh, because of his wife and Taylor. Yeah. So fellow Towson alum, shout out to Kristen Juszczyk. We used to party at the rec room. Kristen, he, might be, uh, he might be approaching Christian Juszczyk's husband's territory. You know, yeah. how everyone does like George Clooney's, uh, you know, Amal Clooney's husband. I feel like that's what that is 100 percent close. For, that's I mean, that's why he was the most popular guy on the floor. Like Chase Young was not even close to use check. I'm trying to think from the chief side, if there was anyone, but Niners have so many stars that it was kind of easy. Like I easily got to talk to Brock, Fred Warner, all those guys, chiefs, obviously the concentration of, of Mahomes, Kelsey and, and coach reader a little tougher to get to. Yeah. Chris, Kristen has double Kyle's followers already on Instagram. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm excited for what she's probably putting together for the game. The real I, 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 know, is, I know I know her deep, like not that well, but yeah. she was at Towson same year. My one of my buddies, she's from Long Island. He's is like that where they met? Uh, yeah, they well they met when she went to Towson and he was young on the Ravens. I don't know exactly where they met, but maybe at like Power Plan or something downtown. He seems like a a fun partier. He was probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the rec room? The night? What's the nightclub next to rec room that was like really tacky? I don't know. So it was Torrent, and then it Torrent, was. Yeah. In my heyday, we had Torrent Lounge, T Lounge, my sophomore year, which was oh my god, just gas. <laughs> yeah, uh, unbelievable times there. But a lot of yeah, they met. I think maybe like my junior year or something, and she kind of just moseyed off. But from all accounts, nicest girl in the world. One of my good friends is like lives in the same neighborhood as her family grew up together and he has nothing but nice things to say about her so the question is does she make taylor a custom get up for the game on sunday or <laughs> yeah. no yes yes they're going against them in the super bowl no that would be silly silly business that would be oh, silly I business i don't know if taylor wants taylor gets i mean let's be honest here yeah Course. This is all just this is all just so over my head. Like, just take it all away. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I, this fucking you're in your metalwood hat. I'm yeah. not even gonna watch the contrarian in the metalwood hat. I'm not even gonna watch this game. I'm watching. Yeah, what's protest what has been? I mean, obviously, we did the pod with Marlo right after the game, but that's pretty much all Ravens content I've I've hit on. You can probably um, you can probably bow out for the next couple of weeks. That's, what, you know. Yeah, I was gonna ask what's it been like on on the battlegrounds. Just really salty, you know, just yeah. uh, just a lot of salt and just spit and vinegar, you know. I'm a terrible person because, like, when they lose, I am very positive, so everybody hates it, and I, like, yeah. all those things. Everybody hates me. Jake's been Jake's been fine. You've been fine. Yeah, no, I, I am. I, I was Brian. Angry. Brian's been taking it rough. Brian, Brian's shtick is also to take it rough. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's just a shtick for his. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, what are you looking at? What is what is what are you most looking forward to, Jack? Right now, what are you most excited about? New Orleans. They got a New Orleans thing at Radio Row, and that's where my sights are set. Next Ooh. season, Super Bowl, Ravens are there. Um, nah, it's it's been fine. It's it's more just like a bummer. I think everyone, like they just didn't play a football game. And so that part is what leads to the saltiness. Like, it's almost like you're just angry at everyone. Like, why couldn't you guys just do what you did all yeah, they year? Yeah, they couldn't have played their best game and then lost. I mean, like, if they had just right. done that, it would have been In, in Marlon's own that. words, they're known as the – for like, as a team, they're known as playoff chokers. I do think yeah. it gets a little over – like, the my positive spin is that if you would have said in March that the Ravens would make it to the AFC Championship game and lose to the Chiefs, I think a lot of people would have been like, 
all right. I'll take by one score, right. I mean, by one score, it was a one score. See, loss. Like, it's yeah. so funny. I, there was so much conversation about like how no one expected us to be here. Maybe I'm naive. And I don't know. I, I feel like with Lamar and the pieces we had, they've always when Lamar's had the ex- stayed healthy. They have never fallen I'm short of the divisional round. It is They're expected for them there. to be in the divisional round. So that's why I was kind of like, I don't know. Is it that big a step? I, that's honestly my biggest angst is I, I really do think they choked again. That, it feels I mean. like they just let, like, honestly, the, the longer away from the game we get, the more I feel clear looking at it. And it's truly just, and there's something floating around today. Uh, one of the guys that does analytics at ESPN and Seth, whatever his name is, Seth Burke, something like that, said that the Ravens face light boxes. According to what I checked was a little different, but it was pretty much the same. He said they had light boxes, I think, 39 or 40 times, and the Ravens ran the ball three times by design into light boxes. Yeah. And I think that then the immediate discourse is, what the hell is Todd Munkin doing? What the hell is Harbaugh doing? But at the end of the day, like, and I, I think it's total vertical failure, but that also includes Lamar, too. It's not, And then what do we hear at the press conference? Harbaugh goes, oh, well, you know, Lamar is the driver of the car, right? We put him in the position. It's his car. You drive it. I always come back to Peyton Manning, who always says offensive play calls are just suggestions. Yeah. Like you're what you get when you're a veteran quarterback is a suggestion, not definitive. Like when you're, what is Todd Munkin paid? A couple million? Like what is Lamar Jackson paid? I said, there's no, there, it will never come out. Because what the hell would the organization be doing? It would but just be malpractice. Real, there's a real chance that Lamar was checking out of, of runs because I don't even look. know if it's checking out of runs, but it also so the two questions I have that can't get answered are and you have to be in the room for could he have checked into more runs? I think right. yes, a thousand percent, because we've seen it. He always yeah. has the veer check. We see him go to the line, change the play, and then they run quarterback counter. They run veer, run that stuff. And I just feel like, you know are you going to call a, a definitive run that doesn't have a pass check? That feels like malpractice to do as well. Yeah. Why would you not want your star franchise quarter billion dollar quarterback to not have the power to make it a run, a pass an RPO. Right. Like he should have all of those options. And I think it is Munkin failure. I think yeah. it is Lamar failure. We don't know what the checks would have been or could have been definitively, but it just felt like, the whole idea was that we are going to throw the ball on them. At the end of the day, we're going to take what they give us, and we know that they're going to give us to throw the ball, and we're going to take yeah. the cheese and yeah. play their game. And there was no angle of it that was they have to stop us. It was we're going to take what they give us instead. So, Yeah, maybe maybe the word for this one isn't as much choke as the Ravens are perennial panickers. And that's the feeling. And look, in a sense of panic, sometimes the panic is warranted, right? And I do think there was a point in the game, right, when they went down 17-7 and the Chiefs were moving the ball at halftime, like where it felt like they weren't going to need to get to 20. We were going to need to get to 30, and you weren't going to be able to do it. And to be fair, no one will ever talk about it. The Ravens ran six times with their running backs. They were unsuccessful on five of the six runs. Like, I know the Gus clip went viral, but, like, they they did struggle on those few times they did run, justice for a yard, justice for a yard, whatever. But they panicked. And I will say, if Zay doesn't fumble, right, and, and score, it's 
it really feels like the Ravens had finally unlocked it. They would have felt comfortable. They would have had confidence in the defense. And I think we are looking at a different ball game in that sense. But then again, is Zay taunting and getting stripped part of the panic and part of just who the Ravens turn into in the playoffs? You could say it's, I don't know. Guys, we've lost the ball on the one yard line in three straight playoff defeats. Like what, like what are the odds of that? Is it a sense of the team always coming up short or is it literally you flip a coin three times and you've gotten unlucky three straight? I don't know. So I don't know. It is almost cosmic with that, what you just said, that they've lost the ball effectively. And you're talking about the Bills pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Right at the, at the goal line, the other team in the red zone, in the deep red zone. Yeah. It's almost cosmic, and um, I agree with all of that, and I think we get into all of these conversations that get so hyperized because of that fumble. And to your point, you were reliant. Your primary guy is a rookie. Your primary number one target, your do everything in the pass game was a rookie who played in a, I don't want to say, I mean, the Boston College is power five, but like, I think, yeah, I, think about like Grayson, I think about Grayson Rodriguez too in the Orioles. It's like, great. I don't think Grayson Rodriguez ever even played in a state semifinal in high school. And then he's pitching in the playoffs. Like, of course he's going to get a little worked up when you've never yeah. been on stage like that. It's not Kyler Murray's playing in back to back to back six, a state titles in, you know, Dallas Cowboy and Cowboy and Jerry yeah. Ball, stuff like that. So it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And I do think it is just cosmic at this point. Like, I feel like the Ravens are stuck in a loop of fumbling or turning the ball over in the playoffs to go down yeah. big and flipping the game and over and over and over and over. And it's, it's maddening. And um, it sucks, but it's good learnings, right? Like it is, if you can get over it and be like, all right, you know, they got to go through this phase. Then the, the Titans was a phase, so they took care of Houston. And this is a phase, right? You never, you're never going to have a team this good again, most likely. So it sucks. But, I mean, you still have, you have to be good a lot in a different. I feel like you have to be good in a different way. I feel like you have to – Their depth be, will never be this good. But the Chiefs' depth isn't, right? Like, it's not – Well, that's what I was going to say. The Chiefs aren't this on-paper monster. I mean, Mahomes yeah. is, and Kelsey's a first ballot, first ballot. Like, he's a first ballot among first ballots. And other than that, they're a solid squad. They've got, you know, Chris Jones, a couple guys. But the experience, the calmness, the – attitude i feel like are things that, and that's my big fan big brain takeaway of like oversimplifying things the panic that you mentioned jack is like it's palatable on harbaugh and lamar yeah. you can't be going fuck shit oh my god no yeah. on the sideline after that you can't lamar goes helmet. that's six that was sick lamar there's that clip that was six that was six so after you get strip yeah. sacked like mahomes doesn't do that mahomes goes let's go. Come on. we gotta get him back get the ball back come on let's go <laughs> Like the you, helmet you, throw you was, was my biggest red flag. I mean, I know it was a should have been a pass interference, shouldn't have been thrown. All that conversation. I think right. the Chiefs win despite those things, just because the Ravens were not capable of calming themselves down. It yeah. felt like the Chiefs were just like, Yeah, we'll punt the ball inside the 10 three times in a row and see what you do. Yeah. Like it just they felt know. like no they really what. did know. So whatever. Hopefully they'll get over that step. So we say all that to say, what am I excited for about this game? I don't know. Like any Super Bowl, there's two weeks. Every storyline has been unearthed. Every matchup has been broken down. 
it's not the NBA Finals. If it was the NBA Finals, seven games, I would have bet my life the Ravens were beating the Chiefs. But we knew going in, it was one game against the best player in the world, and it's exactly what happened. So one game, does Brock turn the ball over? Does, you know, some wacky thing happen? It's impossible to make a prediction on that and feel really good about it. Like, matchup-wise, the Ravens matched up beautifully with the Chiefs. The C- remember when the Seahawks play? put up, what was it, 43-8 to eight right. on the Broncos? Like, yeah, who would have like, thought that was happening? Yeah, so I'm excited because I – do think you're going to get a quality football game that should be close. And I think as long as Brock protects the ball, which he hasn't done in the playoffs, that the, that the Niners will be in a good spot. But I, I mean, I was sitting on my floor this morning and I like the Niners. Like, I think they're the right side in the game, but then I was like, whatever. I, I, if you pick the chiefs and you got Mahomes in that defense, like it's a very good pick. It's why the game is, you know, a two point spread. So um, that's why we look for added value, like Usher's first song or the Gatorade color. because Those are things that are more predictive than the game. I mean, right now it's tough. The, the public money, what 65% is on the chiefs. Yeah. And I think like 61% is on the over somewhere around there. So then you get, start getting into your wormholes of fade the public. Right. And then it's like, do I fade the public in the super bowl? All that stuff. So that's Vegas. I'll have uh, more updates for you guys as, as time goes on, but I appreciate you having me live from Radio Row. And next year we're doing Radio Row all together in New Orleans. All I was right? going to say, that's, this is our, this is our, our, our we're getting our, our toes in the water here. We'll be there yeah, next year. This is, this is what you do, guys. It's visualization. Radio Positive Row. visualization. I, yeah, I, actually, I practice the technique of positive visualization. How come I always feel undermined? <laughs> I honestly, like, I was like, all right, I'm at Marlins on Monday. He walks in and, like, they just won the AFC championship. I thought it was happening. I really did. But now we, we push it to New Orleans, and I'll see you guys there. Beignets, Urban, and Baltimore Ravens football. Yeah. I'll fit right time. in there with my last name. So, <laughs> LaCroix. Yeah. All right, Jack, go have the most see fun. Go put, a, go put a little on black for me. Go, uh, go yell at some dealers, all that good stuff. I got you. Vegas, you baby Vegas. How about that? Little little guest spot from the settlement. Gave that us like that turned minutes. into a beast. He came, yeah, really. came, hung with us for a cool 20, 20 some minutes there. Love that. Live from Radio Row. Who would have thought? There we go. Who would have thought? So positive visualization. I guess we can start backwards then. We can hop into our review, which I wanted to start with the preview of the season that we did. What were our expectations? I, I've gone back and listened kind of to that. I always try and go back and listen to our preview. Where was my head at in August and September? Well, first week of September, I usually do it. And I thought this was a team that would make the playoffs. I thought this was a team that wouldn't have a good pass rush. And that would be a question mark. And they might need to trade for a pass rusher. I thought this was a team, and I know that you did as well, thought this was a team that would take time to gel offensively. And they did. And I thought this was a team that would hit their stride later in the season against some tough opponents. They did. They didn't play a gauntlet of quarterbacks. They took care of that. I didn't think they would get the one seed. I thought they would maybe battle the Bengals. Joe Burrow bows out there. Who knows what happens? Bengals start 0-3. And I did think this was, was a team that would reach the AFC Championship and fall short of literally the Chiefs. And uh, those, that's kind of where we can start, I guess, is where the season started, right? So... We both thought this would be a playoff team. I think a lot of Ravens fans thought this would be a playoff team. Excited about Roquan Smith. Curious to see about Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, and kind of that whole deal. And the Ravens hop on the horn there and 
kind of get a, a little weird start off. So we can uh, start with first things first, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and this uh, little off-season review brought to you by our friends at Black Hat Season Spices, promo code EXIT52 for 10% off their website, blackhatspices.com on any product. They're also available in your Ace Hardware participating locations in Baltimore and D.C. suburb uh, area Ace Hardware. So check them out. We love Black Hat Season Spices uh, and promo code EXIT52, 10% off at their website. But yeah, I mean, I got it written out in chronological order here, so I figured... We do acquisitions. We can kind of just grade them uh, individually as a group, however you want to do it. Um, but I wrote down for offseason acquisitions, they've made more, uh, so we'll get to them. But as far as opening up the offseason, it was Nelson Aguilar basically at the opening of free agency. I remember the spot track guy having a little fun with that, uh, which drew my ire. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. on Masters Sunday. I remember that John Rahm was like making the turn and was, you know, essentially locking up the Masters. And uh, Ian Rappaport tweets that Odell Beckham Jr. has agreed to a contract with the Baltimore Ravens. And I think this is when they signed Yassin too, or was that later, Rocky Sin? Yassin came, I think, a couple weeks out. Let's see here. Yassin signed May 3rd. Yeah, so kind of kind of all in the same area. So I'd say Aguilar, I'd actually give that like a, I'd probably go B+. Plus. I really liked what they gave him, I think, as far as what they what I'd expect from him. Really, really good. Um, and you know, it's like it, it, as far as the we silk, loved, we loved the Aguilar signing. Yeah, and exactly. I think and, that came to fruition. He does end up dropping a ball in the playoffs there in the beginning of that game, which was kind of shitty. But we know Aguilar does that. Yeah, he had a touchdown in the game. He had a few drops throughout the year, but it's like you expect that from any receiver. And just because he's Aguilar and he's had the meme, like people are going to zero in on him. But I don't know, really good season. I think there's a little bit of a ceiling as far as what he can do. So I'd probably put that ceiling at a B plus, and I'd give it to him um yeah that's that's probably what i'd give him what would you give him um for what he is i think it went about as well as it could have for yeah. the money i i think it went pretty darn well so i'll, I'll go with like an a minus sure. it was cheap when they needed a healthy veteran he made plays and was in the game and he blocked and he ran and he you know had a, some nice moments and he was signed to be like wide receiver four, right? So yeah. I think he's a really, really good wide receiver four. And he was three and a half million dollars. So I, I like him in, in the A's, starting with an A, wherever you want there. Yeah. And they basically like this was the type of move that they would sign, like a wide receiver three at best two type. And they'd say, all right, this is going to be our number one in the past. And then this year it was kind of a total philosophical change. And so, yeah, they signed him to be wide receiver four. He's a very good wide receiver four. They signed Odo Beckham Jr. to probably be that, uh, you know, X receiver, probably, you know, one of those rotating top guys, wide receiver two, Zay Flowers, the other one, obviously, we'll get to him. Beckham, I'd probably give it like a, probably like a B minus overall. Um, I think it's, he did basically, again, he did basically about what I expected. I would have wanted to see a little more in the playoffs and maybe some other big games overall. Um, there were definitely some stretches where he went silent, but you mentioned them peaking late in the season. They kind of had that whole plan set out for him as well, and they executed it pretty well overall. So for the money, it was obviously very expensive. That was a sticking point for a lot of people, um, and I get it. Uh, I, I'd go B-minus for Odell. I loved the signing, and I loved the signing at moments this year. And there were – early on, he looked super rusty. I just don't really get – I don't think they used him in the way that I imagined – um, his two lowest snap counts of the year 
excuse me, two of his three lowest snap counts of the year, aside from a Chargers game where he was super beat up, were week 17 against the Dolphins, which is fine. They rolled over the Dolphins, you know, whatever. And then in the divisional round, he had eight snaps and 29 in the conference championship. So I'm, I think I'm going to give this an F. Really? Because I loved, I loved him. I wanted to buy his jersey at one point towards the middle of the year. Games against the Bengals, you know, the Rams had really nice moments. I'm going to give it an F because I don't get that part of it. He, I don't, he did kind of get replaced by Bateman a little bit. I think that's sort of what happened. He did, but I still just don't, I don't get it. He didn't peak. Like it, it felt like all year he was going to build up snaps and play more and more and more. Uh, against the Rams, he has a great game against his former team. You know, maybe maybe the best game he had, 97 yards in that touchdown, had some pretty filthy double moves, things like that. And I don't know, maybe the health starts to waver. He go, you know, doesn't play 30 snaps in a game again. Goes under 20 against the Jags, 15 against the Dolphins, eight against the Texans, and then I don't know. It felt like against the Chiefs. I, I have to look at it exactly again, but I think he played a lot more in the second half than he did in the first half, which was weird to me. And the reason I'm going to give it an F is because. He didn't peak the way I thought he did. He started to, and it started to feel right. But actually, I forget. The reason I was going to give it an F was because of DeAndre Hopkins, who became, I guess, available after they signed Beckham. Yeah, like, so, yeah. Which was a was a trade? Was Hopkins traded for? Yeah, he no. He I think he got released ultimately because it was like the whole thing was like, all right, now they got Beckham, they can actually just go and trade for Hopkins to do that, but that would be taking on the big big number. Then he got released, and it's like, okay, the Ravens actually might just go and sign him. And I remember but to uh, me that says like they took the sure thing of signing Beckham instead of making a trade or instead of playing the bidding game. But I think Hopkins is just so much better regardless. Like, you know, they talk, they had to have talked to somebody about, they had I to have talked to the Titans was, about Hopkins. Yeah, it was Pac-Man was on, uh, or, Pac-Man Pac was on McAfee, like all, for, for multiple times saying like, there's a strong possibility that uh, DeAndre Hopkins to the Ravens is going to happen. Like he said that multiple times. This was when he was on the Cardinals. So I think it, yeah, I think it was definitely percolating. And I, I Jack, Jack actually was one of the people who was saying that it could happen. Um, and yeah, ultimately it didn't. And, you know, they settled for Beckham and, yeah, I think Hopkins would have been the better move, but I also like the Beckham signing, and we'll get to the Lamar thing, but I think that kind of was a big catalyst for Lamar re-signing re here. So if they wait... Well, he pretty much said he wanted Hopkins or Beckham. Or both, yeah. and But like that was right. the thing. Like If they wait and they're like, all right, we're just going to push all our chips in on Hopkins, let's say you don't get him or like whatever happens, and then you don't re-sign Lamar before draft day. I don't know. like it, Weird timing stuff. So I, I kind of... It was, it was nuanced in in ways for sure but it just felt like they were in the conversations they were in on him he is obviously healthier than beckham and be like i said i just feel like because beckham didn't peak in the postseason like i thought and and going into it really I, it, it was weird and hopkins still is very good and it feels like what hopkins brings is what they needed so badly so that like we just said with jack you don't have flowers as your number one guy and Flowers was awesome, but then clearly wasn't, you know, he's a rookie. So he did dive into the end zone when he shouldn't have and was getting personal fouls in the playoffs, which I kind of love that. I still I still like the taunting call. Yeah. I, I still like that he did that. I don't like the fact that it's a fucking foul. I think it's stupid. And, you know, these I guys mean, if, if you're going to call a foul for taunting, I mean, that was a that was a one to throw a flag on for sure. sure. Yeah, but, but I, just, I hate it as a penalty. I like it. Spin it on them. Fuck them. And then he just I mean, he basically if he would have just ran into the end zone or been down at the one and they score, 
That would have been one of the sickest drives ever of any rookie wide receiver ever, ever. And it was just that close. But I, I, I do, I am weirded out. I, I do get that, you know, you look at Beckham in a prism of, and I don't want to even give it an F. I'm going to like, we're going to go with the pass fail instead of a letter grade on this for me. And I'm giving it a fail because I do think Hopkins was such a better option in hindsight if you couldn't get Beckham to where they needed him to be and he kind of wasn't there. So I don't know. It, it, it's nuanced. I love that they, I would prefer that they signed him over that they didn't. I do like the signing still, but it was, it was a good, it was, faith a move. it was a good faith mood that was needed for Lamar and for the fan base too. Like people were fucking pissed about the wide receiver position last offseason. I mean, they had been for multiple seasons in a row. We're talking about Hopkins. You know what they should have fucking done is signed DeAndre Hopkins five years ago. They should have traded for him when the Texans were trading him. Like this was the move that they should have made. And Beckham is like, there's something weird about Hopkins. There's so, he is, I don't know. I think he is of the Michael Irvin, like true alpha Des Bryant. I'm saying a lot of Cowboys. Like, I think he is of the mindset. Well, of like, a, if a I don't get the ball. I will blow this fucking locker room up. Doesn't care. He has that dark matter in him. And Beckham was a much more uh, spiritual signing. It was a more locker room signing. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's a total, it's a good faith move for Lamar, for the fan base. And it's a catch up move because they just kept putting themselves in this hole with this position over and over again. And that's why you have to go and overpay for a guy like that. Now, I think the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way and they're not going to have to put themselves in this position. So they do it. They make the move. You give it the, uh, the failing grade there on the pass fail scale. I give it a B minus, whatever, you know, we'll see if he's back with the team. Maybe sounds like he's open to it. Um, I don't know if I'd prefer it. I'd probably prefer Aguilar personally, but we'll get into that in next week. We're doing a full uh, off season preview. So, yeah. So I think that's an interesting conversation there and, and, you know, there's levels and layers and, and the complexities and that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg of what goes into this shit. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know the guys. That's such a different part. The draft process, all this stuff. We don't know the guys. I can watch his tape. I don't know the guy. I don't know the character. I don't know the the hidden stuff that got swept under the carpet or the stuff that got kind of just pushed into the background. Well, he's a great guy. Somebody can be a great person. And you just don't know that. He can yeah. be the hardest worker ever. And, you know, everybody always says everyone's the hardest worker ever, but you don't know until you know and you have that access. So those are the things that matter. And I think that was what was known about Beckham, that he was at a good point and all those things. So it's a fun conversation. It's kind of a big brain one, but... I don't know. It's interesting. And it was an interesting, it was an interesting signing overall. Yeah. I, I never would have thought that that guy would come to a place like this. I said that when they were trying we to, both sign did. yeah. Who would have thought seven years ago, Odell Beckham would be in Baltimore in 2023. I, yeah, I wouldn't have thought it a year ago. I thought that like after being in Cleveland and all that stuff, I thought he was just done with small towns. He wanted to go to Dallas or whatever and, you know, you know, be famous, but you know, good credit, credit to him. I love him as a guy. I mean, like it didn't totally work out. I mean, the Ravens had to outpay. They had to bid above. They had to pay for that, though. Still, yeah. they had to pay a premium to get him to do it. And yeah. the the you know, as more time goes on, it feels like there is not a there's no hometown discounts in the globalized football in 2024. No, that's, yeah, that's that's out. That's that's never happening again. Rocky Sin. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this. I'd give it a D minus. You know, he you know made one the nice weird play. thing happened where he was built up to be this like savior of the corner room while he was like a scheme specific corner that had had some injury problems. I remember like tweeting and saying this like, you I did? think the Ravens fan base has started to greatly overhype Rocky Sin. He's all right, and pretty much didn't play. Yeah, yeah, he made one nice play on T. Higgins. I, 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 it was a C. I give it a C. It's it was he was there. He was experienced. He was fine. 
He was there if they needed him, but they had Darby. Darby ended up emerging over him, and that's why I think Yasin is fine because they doubled down. We'll bring in two. We'll bring in another one. We'll bring in Darby as well to Yasin, and maybe they bring in Darby because they didn't like what they saw out of Yasin and things like that, but yeah. it's fine. Darby's going to be, I've got a summer signings category, so we'll get to that one right after all this. And I guess right before Rocky's in, re-signed Lamar Jackson on draft day, A+, plus, absolute A++. Plus plus. Um, and really, it's what I don't want people to lose sight of here. I know people are pissed right now. I certainly am too. But things were so, so, so bad with this franchise as far as just the way that the fan base was feeling and just the black cloud we keep saying was hanging over them. And they finally cleared it with this thing. I think the Beckham move was part of that. Uh, I think two sides came together and shout out to Jalen Hurts and his agent for getting that deal done because I do think that was another catalyst too. So Lamar Jackson re-signing on draft day. What, what a banner day that was, draft day. We come back, we record the uh, the live stream. What a, what a fun time. That was a great day. That was a big deal. That was a momentous signing in the history of the Ravens, A++ as well. For what Deshaun Watson's monkey wrench threw in, I feel like is truly part of the reason why that got to the point that it did. Um, speaking of things that we don't know, it felt like everything that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson did was clearly communicated. And I do feel like maybe years later, we will get something to the tune of that. Even the Ravens went as far as to say, Hey, we won't use the franchise tag. We'll let you go talk to other teams if you want, because that was how much they loved him. Right. That was, we'll match anything. If you like something better, We'll do everything we can to match it. And if you love us, we love you. And I thought that was really cool, that transition tag deal to allow him to have a little bit of a free agency. It was kind of like a little mini free agency. It was, you know, go check out the other side of the grass or, and and see what's out there and and talk around and see and think about it. So and if you really love something, let it go. Yeah, kind of. It was. It was, you know uh it was not being a jealous lover right it was not being it was saying okay well if you don't you know love me i'll i'll still be here and if you need some time and space to go check yourself out go ahead and we'll be here we'll we'll match whatever we'll do the best thing we can and i, I feel like that was really cool and unique it was something we hadn't seen before in the nfl really uh that degree of a free agent and at the same time, you know, we can go on that for hours about like, that deserves its own, like, you know, Jack said 60 for 60 bikes. And I would say like a 15 for 15 on Lamar Jackson's contract, uh, you know, mini sewed on that because then everybody starts coming out saying, no, we're good. And the collusion aspect that maybe, maybe not happened. And I, I tend to think kind of was, I was going to say like, with all the talk about him getting his free agency period and stuff, like, you know, he, it didn't really happen that way. Yeah, but it was like, you know, nobody was, he was then sure that nobody was leaping to give him the Watson deal though, right? Right, like, yeah. And Ravens was, were like, look, like you think we're underselling you? We're not. We're giving you the best. And, Eric and the, best is, the best is the best is everything after Watson. And really like going back through it all and just really thinking about it again, like what a freaking high wire act this was for DaCosta. Like this had to be, this was one of the more difficult negotiations in, across all of NFL history. And he pulled it off perfectly well with that transition tag to your point. Uh, yeah. A plus plus. And like, uh, and to have the kind of uh, what's the right word, the cool hand Luke aspect of the nerves of the national media, just, rawr, just, Oh, they were laying not into you as an organization and a GM and a coach and an owner and a team and non-stop fans of media beating you down and beating you down and beating you down. So to have that st steely resolve is what I was probably looking for in my brain 
Yeah. Having that resolve to be able to just calmly and quietly and safely continue forward, I, I think you got to be pretty impressed in analysis of Eric DaCosta's cojones and resolve in that regard. And Lamar, uh, Lamar texts him the night of, I think we can get a deal done. And the Celtics had just like taken like a, a game winning bucket at the buzzer. And he's like, Lamar, you just saved my night. Just a, a cool, cool story all around. And uh, man, you got to give the guy a ton of credit. Like if you told me like at this time last year, and I keep saying that a lot, but like if you told me like early February, 2023, like the Ravens are going to resign Lamar Jackson to this six year deal. And they're going to go to the AFC championship game. Like I would have signed up for that. It was that would have been gravy to me. I just wanted them to resign him. And then he goes out there. And in my opinion, I know people look back at 2019. I think this was the best season of his career. Uh, I think it's a credit to them for building around him in the right way, all the way the right way, finally. Um, and obviously, you know, that it's all amazing. So yeah, I mean, we can uh I didn't I didn't really write this down, but we could probably probably touch on Todd Monken too. Thoughts on Todd Monken before we get into the rest of the summer signings. Love. Um Thought that once you know the two guys we looked at, I looked at Slowick first, right? We made that little, I made that little sign, Slowick to Baltimore, 2024, uh, 2023, whatever it was. And after that was my number two choice, right? That was the name we immediately jumped to, Munkin. And of available guys, he was someone that was malleable in understanding how to utilize his offense and his talent and things like that. What happened in the game? I do think you know, the playoff game leaves that bitter taste at the end. But I think you look back and you look at a coordinator that was so down to earth and unafraid of being wrong or unafraid of putting the offense in forced growth positions where the early bumps were needed and they didn't coddle it and they didn't, you know, go back into some of their older ways. They did a little bit at times, uh, but but to kind of unlock in that second half and start to spread things out more, use a little bit more of the eleven, mix it up. And also be unabashedly unafraid to go back into, all right, we can pound the fucking rock. Yeah. And I know people are going to scoff at that because, you know, whatever, they lost in the playoffs, boo fucking who. But it was fun to watch this season, and they peaked at the right time. They peaked against the Dolphins and against the 49ers, and, you know, they go put up a bunch of points on the Rams and all those teams that that kind of gauntlet. Uh, that, that Jaguars game I thought was cool too where they were – Kind of like the Texans game in the playoffs, they were not moving the ball well. They were not able to figure it out and then kind of dug themselves out. So I thought they were able to adjust so often uh, out of it. And I think that it was great for Lamar. We saw Lamar in a more Josh Allen-like offense, right, where there is some of the power elements, there is some of the spread elements, and it's very quarterback-centric in many, 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 many ways. So I, I think that leads up to year two of Munkin beautifully. And to have a lot of those key guys, you know, you think of, Linderbaum, you think of Lamar Jackson, you think of Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Zay Flowers, uh, you know, Morgan Moses still there. We'll see what happens with the Zeitler and you know, Andrews is still there. Kohler's still there. We'll see about Ricard, um, Bateman coming back. So getting to flip the page and now being able to compare notes to what you've already done. When you look at game tape and look at things you want to improve, when you look at this is what we did, this is how it looked for us with Lamar. It's a lot easier to start out at a way higher point and push way deeper, way faster, and start to really build those wrinkles in year two. So I'm really excited for that. I thought this was an awesome hire. I think a lot of people scoffed at the fact that Harbaugh basically was like, I didn't fucking know this guy. And my brother-in-law told me he was awesome. So I, you know, kind of ended up hiring him because of that. But I don't know. I I I love the hire as well. I think it was a slam dunk because it was such an external hire. 
there was nothing were, here. Yeah, yeah right and people were bitching about the the old harbaugh boys club and is he just gonna bring another one of those guys in and i think people tried to make that connection because of joni and tom green and like hey you guys are you guys are off base if you're trying to do that this was i think john went outside the box a little bit on this one and he he knocked it out of the park and you know i liked roman on a personal level i thought he seemed like a nice guy but there was a little bit of a slick nature with roman where i don't know if you're always getting fully what he thinks i think todd is just a an open book and he's just a fucking joy to listen to behind the mic so i like that too i'd give it an a letter grade a little disappointing in the playoff there not even in the full playoffs i thought that texas game was impressive with how they came out in the second half but yeah a little disappointing with that chiefs game but overall i'd give it an a excited for the future of this offense under him uh draft so you got zay flowers tavius robinson and keaton mitchell were the guys that wrote in as kind of your real contributors uh and then trenton simpson Sala, however you say his full name, and then Andrew Voorhees and kind of how they project. Your thoughts on this draft and give me a letter grade. I look at just flowers. I mean, they needed to add one piece. They go draft a receiver. And, I, you know, I can get into my whole thoughts on flowers who I thought I was like, I was super early on him being like maybe a high second round pick. And then he ends up going in the first and getting all this buzz. Um, and I think it did take a little bit of courage and, it worked out smoothly because say what you, I mean, say what you want, say whatever you want. I will liken him to Hollywood. I very much will. And I think that what they wanted in Hollywood, Zay Flowers is physically and able to be a threat after the catch and use as a gadget and downfield and run real NFL routes. So they only had one pick in the first three rounds. Uh, that makes me think of this draft very highly. I thought Zay Flowers was awesome and fantastic and really good this year. I mean, his low moment was like scoring a touchdown, but he reached out. Yeah. Kind of, you know, you think of like, you know, uh, uh, like Marcus Williams, you think of what happened to him. Really, like people, people fault him for that. That was an amazing punch out. And it's funny. It reminds me a lot of the OA punch out on Edwards Alaire like two years ago when they did beat the Chiefs. And it's like, man, shit can just kind of happen in games like that. And like, that is the razor thin margin. And I'm not going to excuse it. I mean, Sneed went punch first too. He did not, he wisely did not try to tackle. It was too late. And you know, you can go, we can go look at it and freeze frame it and slow-mo it. Screenshot screenshot Twitter has been having their moments. Why didn't we, why didn't he dive lower? Why didn't he, you know, and I agree, like, sure. Don't extend for the pylon and you don't need to. It's not the defining play. Sure. We can summarize it with that, but it was a remarkable punch out as well. It was a sick play made by Legereus Sneed, who is a badass football player. So I don't know, like Zay Flowers elite. Whatever else is whatever. Simpson will probably, I mean, we get the feeling, the sense, the sentiment is that Patrick Queen's gone. They're going to give Trenton Simpson a chance, probably. If they don't like what they see from him early, then, you know, maybe a vet's in or they draft somebody else. Yeah, they'll sign Josh Bynes on September 28th and just keep it rolling. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. And now retire Josh Bynes will will come off the couch. I don't, you you can't, I don't, in my opinion, you don't really grade fourth round picks. Like, you know. Overall, overall, yeah, overall Hall, I'd give it like a, a minus just because like you talk about getting a starter in every draft if you can get one that's a pretty good hit rate if you get an impact player which i think zay flowers was is and will be then it's a good draft if you get a high impact player as a rookie that is a good draft and they got two i mean keaton mitchell was a home run threat that they desperately needed they finally got him and then obviously they lose him but i mean man that is that's exciting for that was a bull that was very that was bullshit that he got hurt that was that sucked that was stuff huge bullshit Them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. It's the rub of the green. And any, uh, I think anything else you get, Voorhees, we'll see, you know, whatever, Sala, whatever, whoever, whatever. I don't really care. If, if you miss in the fifth round, I don't care. I literally don't care. 
yeah, it's a flyer. It's a flyer. So yeah, A minus for me on that. Uh, summer signings. I kind of lumped all these together as well. You land Arthur Mollette on July 25th. Love that move. Ronald Darby uh, and Jadavian Clowney on the same day there on August 18th. And then Kyle Van Noy. Actually, that's that's technically not the summer. That's after the solstice, but on September 27th. Overall just after the solstice. Just yeah. after. Overall thoughts on this group? I mean, 150 out of 100, right? I mean, Darby comes in, plays good football for you consistently when you need him to with Marlon Humphrey out. Mollette is a weapon, is a great slot blitzer, was felt as a presence, made sticky plays, had you know some big time moments in coverage. Uh, unfortunately, ends up, you know, the Chiefs wisely, Patrick Mahomes recognizes he has a six foot three, you know, deer lined up with a five foot ten slot corner. And you know, it's like it's the same thing as Todd Munkin, where it's like, you know, great, 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 great last thing of the year, awful. Yeah. Um, I don't blame him though. That's not in his wheelhouse to be able to cover someone like that in that situation. So you just got to tip your cap to the chiefs there. Uh, Clowney, another guy like Clowney feels like the Deandre Hopkins thing, but it happened. Yeah. They should have signed Clowney years ago. He's was always best suited here. I've beat that drum. As long as we've done this podcast, who should they sign an outside linebacker? Genevian Clowney, Genevian Clowney, Genevian Clowney. Love that. Van Noy was elite. Same kind of deal again. Why are you getting, why are you the three time, Super Bowl champion, why did you get a 15-yard penalty in a playoff game for being a jerk? Why Why are you doing that? I don't know. But elite all year, awesome all year. You know, banner year for him in some ways. So uh, many ways. So that group, elite, all of those individual signings turned out fantastically on a production level, on a kind of just vibe level. I think they all fit into the locker room well as too. And it's tough, but... You will also notice those are all defensive guys because it's easier to pick up and play defense. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. I thought that was edgy. I thought that was a nice preview of, again, that's another example of DaCosta having steely resolve, right? Where, you know, you needed some pass rushers. And that kind of is a dangerous game to play because I don't know that you can always get a Jadevian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy in, you know, September, but it was as good as it could have turned out. That group is all of them made a bunch of plays. So uh, Clowney has a borderline career year here. So does Van Noy. Millette probably has a career year here. And I don't, I don't know that you could have gotten any any better out of that group. And it was needed and it was there and they got it. Yeah, I'd, I'd just go A+. plus. I mean, you, you don't want to overstate things necessarily, but you really can't with this group. I mean, you had two guys approaching double-digit attacks and obviously Darby and then Millette uh, making huge contributions there on the back end. So yeah, and it, really what I hope is that they take this as a lesson to just like, don't be afraid to stack guys. Don't be afraid to fill gaps with free agents like this. Don't like, you know, you have the Bill Parcells-ism about like progress stoppers and why why do you have all these old vets in the mix? Like, I feel like the Ravens at, at times in the past are too dependent on the idea that, oh, well, we got this guy in our, our farm system, so to speak, and we're going to have him come up and we're going to let him make mistakes and everything. And I think that's okay in certain years, but this was a year to go for it. And they really went for it. They made those two signings at corner, three really with Yusin. They made those moves at uh, outside linebacker. Van Noy, I remember when they signed Clowney, it's, you know, it was like, okay, well, I guess they chose him over Van Noy. They said, no, we're just going to stack these guys. And that's going to be, uh, th those are going to be, big moves that we make. And obviously they wound up being huge. So I hope they do take that as a lesson when they do kind of feel like, it's that type of year. Don't be afraid to go out. And if even if you have to spend on the credit card a little bit, go and do that and make those type of moves because, you know, it, it leads them to a 13 and four record and uh, the AFC championship. So huge. Massive. Uh, season overall, uh, how would you grade it? I'd go with just an A. It, it sucks 
the the way that they lost to the Chiefs, obviously, but I really don't want to gloss over that Texans game. I think I think that was an impressive playoff win where they came out a little flat. It looked like maybe that panic was kind of bubbling up a little bit, but they settled down. I wish they had done it the next week. Obviously, it didn't totally work out that way, but again, bends the brakes. I'd go with an A for the 2023 season. Pass. I'm going to go pass fail here, and I say you pass with flying colors. I think that, again, you look at where the organization was, what it took to get back to having Lamar Jackson on the field, keeping your franchise quarterback, pass. Keeping him healthy, pass. Keeping a lot of guys healthy, pass. Doing what you should have done against lesser opponents all year long, pass. Winning big games, pass. Winning a home playoff game, pass. And I don't know. I think, again, the boulder, the very heavy elephant-sized boulder was pushed up the hill another foot. You've had three years of healthy Lamar Jackson, and the first two, you went to the divisional round. The third time, you went to the AFC Championship, and ball didn't bounce your way. So now you have the bitter taste of defeat, which in my knowledge of this franchise has been a good thing. And I've talked so much about scar tissue and I thought they might've had enough and I was an idiot. I mean, the 2000 Ravens didn't have any, they kind of, they maybe had the scar tissue of Brown's past. Maybe you can say, if you want to get a little spiritual about it. I think they I didn't know. They didn't know what they didn't know that group. They, you know, they, they just, it was just a perfect, it was a different sport too. Yeah. And they played, they played a game that was crazy in terms of free agency and physicality that, they bought into the, the the height of the NFL in terms of physicality to the nth degree and didn't give a shit about, you know, high flying, which was funny. They brought in a high flying coordinator to become head coach and turned into the shit kickers, which you've documented well, but that was weird. 2012, you had to basically, you know, true detective right now, spoiler, skip ahead about 30 seconds if you don't want, you know, they've basically scratched their own court. They have to scratch their own corneas out and bite themselves and freeze to death. And, you know, went through the grinder. Troy Polamalu picked six. Billy Cundiff, you know, even even putting in that 2006 loss, if you want to go back that far. Um, tons and tons and tons of scar tissue there. And we're able to go get there. And now this team can look at Lamar pick six. Titans, you know, running the ball down your throat and trying to flounder back into that one. And now this Chiefs loss that felt so, so bitter. But... At the end of the day, you know, you, you're going to have to go a little deeper, a little harder. And honestly, the thing that I hated about this playoff run was that they did get the Texans at home in the divisional round, which, I mean, that was a fucking softball. Yeah. In a but, conference. Yeah, they, they deserved one after at least the fans did, I think. They, you know, a nice little nice little meatball down the middle there. I I am happy to have gotten that. The, it, that was a that, like they should have done, and I, I don't want to discredit them. I do love that they did what they needed to do. The Texans were a solid team, but you got a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach on the road in their first playoff, you know, road game. You, you should have beat the crap out of them. So, uh, ultimately, you know, push the, the mountain, you know, push the, the boulder up the mountain a little bit further again. But you know, you think back Steelers, you think back Colts in what was that 2010 when they just stepped on the Ravens necks. Uh, you think of Steelers again, 24, 31, I think. And then you get Billy Cundiff, Lee Evans. So scar tissues there, you know what it takes to get there. Now, you know what it takes to maybe not piss down your leg 
And can you shake that with John Harbaugh? A lot of people don't think so. And if Harbaugh, you want to play into the whole hatred doubt thing, you know, there you go. You, you somehow managed to be a 14 and three team with a chip on your shoulder. So that is supposed to play to your tune, right? Yep. Wake up and the sun's going to come out the next morning and you just get back at it. So yeah, overall good season. And this was a good review. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes before we go, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Zach Orr uh, being hired as the defensive coordinator. This was him at his media availability today talking about the philosophy that he is going to bring to the group. One of the best defenses in the league, obviously you want to leave your own fingerprint. What type of identity do you want this defense to have? Man, I, w- I, want, our, I want our defense to play together first and foremost, like 11 people playing as one. Let's start there. The next thing, I, w- I want to be violent, very violent, physical. That's just the standard here, man. Everything we're going to do is going to be with uh, physicality and, and violence, all right? And then just execution, execution, executing at a high level, executing in certain situations, executing all the time. And then the last thing I'll leave you with is just, I would say, organized chaos, man. Present a lot of problems to the offense. All right, never give the answer to the offense before the snap. But um, that's what I would say, man. Identity, first thing first, is hit everything that moves. We're going to play violent, we're going to play together, and we're going to execute. Very impressive. I love the fit. Uh, first and foremost, you know, they throw in the, the blazer, the sport coat over the T-shirt. Always a great move for a young guy like that. Uh, you mentioned the all rights that he's throwing. He's peppering in there. It's a, some McDonald vibes with the OK. OK, we're going to do this. OK, he's doing the all right. He, he's tending towards that. I like that a lot. 31 years old, man. He's he's not that much older than us. Uh, it's pretty wild that Zachary Orr, you know, he's uh, going to a press conference at this time, you know, six, seven years ago. And a certain person is reporting that it's a contract extension. Turns out that it's not. Uh, it is re- his retirement, and now here we are. He's the defensive coordinator. Thoughts, opening thoughts. We got another soundbite from him, but opening thoughts on this presser. Yeah, love the all rights. That's the thing that stuck out to me, and I think that that is the keynote of any great coach is that tick. That all right? We're gonna do this. All right. This is the way we're gonna play. All right. When it's, when, the, when it's time for the rubber to meet the road, all right, we're going to hit the road, all right? So those I love, and that's what I loved about Mike McDonald. I don't know what it is. I don't. I would love to go into a deep dive of the psychology of it, especially the I from Saban and the all right, and you know, a couple other coaches that have had that in them. But uh, there's something weird about that that makes me feel super confident. You love the fact that he did go abroad and came back, did go to Jacksonville for a bit with – Cullen and Mike McDonald brings him back. You do love that. He says, I bleed purple and black. That's why he wanted to return to the Ravens, despite maybe becoming like Mike, Mike McDonald's defensive coordinator, maybe the Packers. I've actually, uh, other- I've got that here too. If you want to listen to that. Now. Yeah, go for it. And ways did how much you enjoyed coaching. And when you got back involved, did that help you avoid any kind of lingering kind of disappointment to, you know, the way your career, your playing career ended? It did, man. It did. And um, that's why I tell people all the time, man, I believe purple and black. Like, this this organization, this this means something to me. This means a little more to me. It's not just me just coaching, uh, you know, for International Football League, just for any other organization. Now I'm coaching for the organization that, that, that had my back. Like, when I went through what I went through, um, they didn't allow me to really put my head down. You know, I was – I didn't know what the next step was going to be. Boom. Coach Harbaugh, Izzy, Mr. Bashadi, they called me. They say, hey, I know you want to get into coaching. You're coming right back up here and getting ready to work with us. And them doing that for me just, just shows that they have my back um, in a tough situation. 
So they're going to get everything I got, you know, out of me. And like I said, it means something. I bleed purple and black. Yeah, and I think the uh, overall, like, the hand-wringing, and I was certainly a little bit of a part of it, of losing McDonald, sticking with this regime and everything with John, I, I totally understand some of the frustrations, and I, you just feel like you're spinning your wheels, and kind of the buzzword about not being able to get over the hump, or, like, it, things, the message growing stale, X, Y, and Z. I think it does speak to a, a certain consistency that I think is very admirable, and it shows in hires like McDonald and in a hire like this who speaks back to the faith that they had in him. And he talked actually in the press conference, I, I don't have that part of it, but he talked about how the shot, he picked up the phone and called him um, when he retired and he had gotten a, a bonus check in the mail and the shot, kind of quipped to him that, you know, you got yourself a nice little parting gift there. And that, that's kind of cool that Pashadi is like, he's, he doesn't meddle, but he is dialed in on stuff like that. And it shows that he cares a lot. Um, and yeah, he was effusive in his praises of him and Ozzy and John. So for as much as there is kind of the feeling of, you know, if they're spinning their wheels, how much longer is Harbaugh going to be here? I think it is a credit to him that guys like this come back into the picture and um, they they kind of keep that wheel moving. And there is always going to be talent in this pipeline, this coaching pipeline, no matter what. And I think it's a credit to the front office, to the ownership and, and to John ultimately. It is. And you're fired up for someone like that to get that opportunity. When you go look back at his, uh, time in Baltimore and the kind of video of him, you know, surmising his career and don't feel bad for me. And even just the fact that he mentions, you know, I was a part of the first Ravens team that beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. And you can tell that as an undrafted free agent, as the son of a former NFL player who has two brothers and uncle, two brothers that are both, you know, one played at TCU, one played at Wisconsin. Uh, he's got uncles that were in the league, all kinds of stuff, football through and through. He bleeds football. He understands what it takes. He's thoroughbred football mind. And, it means more to him, right? It has that sort of raise up the goose pimples on the back of your neck, raise the hairs on the back of your neck feeling of it feels right. It feels like it was in the stars for him that he had a greater purpose to help more people and that he does take it as serious as death. You love that he did get to be around Mike McDonald, that he was Mike McDonald's guy. You love the intelligence that he used to play with. You love the intelligence that he presents himself with, the way he's eloquent, concise, well thought and well thought of by Roquan Smith, by Patrick Queen, the way they talk about him. And you feel like it just instills confidence in the next era of Ravens football, which is a smarter kind of defense that's ready to deal with the problems that modern offenses present and how they're heavy up the spine, which is ironic because that was what ended Orr's playing career, right? The spine, a C1 vertebrae, which could have exploded at any time if he was hit the wrong way, which made him have to retire and all that he went through. And you have to give a guy credit who has been able to climb that quickly, that confidently and strongly. I mean, being a coach is not the same as being a player. It is nothing of the same. Players get told what to do. Coaches are the ones that have to decide what players do. And he said, uh, Ozzy told him, like, hey, the hours are going to be a lot different here. So, you know, we better see you at X you know, you live, You live, you live there. The facility is your home. You just posted the Kevin, what's his name? Van Volkenberg, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Kevin Van Volkenberg article where Harbaugh is talking about, I don't go home because that time I spend in the car is a waste. I could get that extra sleep here or that is extra minutes I can dedicate to the craft here. So it is. And to be able to flip that switch shows you, you know, he does love it. And man, I mean, it's got to be tough financially, right? You're an all pro linebacker with the Baltimore Ravens. You're thinking, hey, I'm getting 40 mil somewhere soon. And then you go to, getting, you know, your, your bonus check from Mr. Bashadi, which is very nice, but is not going to be 40 mil. 
It's not going to be, you know, tens of millions of dollars in that bank account. It was like a 400K, like, player bonus. Yeah, that's... that's oh, you're just saying it was a bonus that he got for yeah, a it was, Yeah, it was like a bonus, probably an incentive for, like, games played or something like that. It was literally... Yeah, like, yeah, UDFAs always get those, uh, those, those, uh, can't think of the right term. It, there's a pool of money, and it goes out to players that should have been paid more based on their play. I can't think of the right term, but... Um, yeah, that that's huge for him, and now he's probably making you know a mill or two again back up and has the opportunity. And um, you know, I I love that aspect of it. I love the fact that he's a young and it's you know he did have a dad in the league and he was around a football family, but he wasn't a coach's son; he was a player's son. And to be able to sw- flip that switch kind of gives you that self-made vibe from you know an area where a lot of people would squander and maybe turn to drugs, alcohol you know, painkillers, shit like that. When, you know, you have that, those opportunities and all that stuff, a lot of people end up being out of football, can't stand football, don't want to be around football ever again. And instead, you know, he, he picks himself up, walks in and becomes a coach and spends his time at the facility and loves it. You can tell he just loves it. And I'll say, I think he's the next head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. I think he is. I, I think, uh, you know, Harbaugh, his contract has what, two more years this year and next. And I think through 2025, if I'm not mistaken. So one more year after this one. And I think he's the next coach of the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think you get the Mike McDonald. You, he got to be around Mike McDonald, see Mike McDonald. He's a little younger here. He's, uh, you know, I think it'll be really cool. The Ravens had Ozzie Newsome as, you know, kind of the, the standalone almost black general manager in the league. And I think it'll be really cool to see the Ravens transition to being, you know, uh, under, under their black head coach that was a former player that went through what or went through. So I love it. I'm excited for it. It does stink to watch Mike McDonald go, but you're with a disciple of Mike McDonald now. So it's a good thing. Yeah, I don't think they could have done much better, um, save for Anthony Weaver, who, to and we can transition now into some uh, housekeeping notes, he has been hired away as the defensive coordinator of the Dolphins, so he's not going to be in that assistant head coach role. They were in talks with Jerry Rossberg in a weird situation. It's why I posted that article, and what caused a whole kind of shitstorm on Twitter about what does John Harbaugh do and this and that, like, cause they were going to bring him in, in this, uh, in game management advisory type role, which is something kind of, I guess, similar to what he was doing, uh, when he was here to an extent, he was a special teams coordinator, but he did kind of, uh, help out in situations like that. I think he probably was the architect of that Sam cook, uh, intentional safety in the super bowl. So that was weird. That kind of drew people's ire a little bit. And you have Weaver leaving, you have other guys uh, getting hired away today. They hired uh, Greg Ma- or Doug Mallory, from Michigan, who was working under Jesse Minter. Um, he'll be the defensive backs coach. So they've got some work to fill out this coaching staff here. It's been a little bit of a weird transitional period. We'll see how they fully fill it out. Zach actually mentioned that in his press availability that that's kind of the next step on the job for him is filling that staff out. But yeah, overall, it was a, a good kind of a good vibe check a little bit. I think people were down in the dumps. If you're feeling that way, I again, I get it, but I, I'd recommend going and listening to that full thing because it was a, a good vibes, a good full circle moment there for Zach Orr. And you could be right about him being the next head coach. Who knows what the future holds for John? Who knows what the future holds in these next couple seasons that uh, Lamar is going to get a little bit more expensive and we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, if that is the, sex, the succession plan, I'd expect it to be a, a pretty good one based on what I heard today. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Anthony Weaver's a little bit weird. He kind of has been... I had a Dolphins podcast reach out to me, wanted to do an interview, and I, I couldn't do it. But they asked me the question, you know, do you think it's weird that you know he was passed on by the Ravens? And I, I do think it's kind of weird. Um, they talk very highly of him. Harbaugh did say at a press conference just last week that um, 
he as I as I get a little ding dong here. You're, getting, uh, you're just getting blown. I'm getting bombarded by my mom now, who's who's at the front door here, and I'm I'm trying to call her. I'm trying to text her, but Weaver gets passed on twice and is not able to you know get a job here or move up here. And I think it's a little strange. You know, he was in the running last time. He was in the running this time. They pass on Weaver for McDonald. They pass on Weaver for they pass on Weaver for or as well. Okay. Well, I, you know, with all that, uh, I guess we can close it out as Spenny is collecting tutu from uh, from his mom there. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening to this episode. Uh, fun little impromptu jump in from the settlement there. Uh, that, that was a fun little segment. Fun to go back over the season. Once again, I'll say we're kind of closing the book on it now. We're going to move forward into offseason stuff next week. But I will say my favorite Raven season in a very long time. Uh, and thankful that I got to watch it because th there was no guarantee that it was going to be anything close to this, like I keep saying, a year ago at this time, even less than a year ago at this time. So the, those are my closing thoughts. Any from you uh, as we get out of here? I mean, that 49ers game on Christmas, it wasn't, you know, making a Super Bowl, but that was one of the most special games I can remember in years. More, I, I mean, I think of that game more fondly than I think of them beating the Texans. Uh, you know, the big bad Niners that are, you know, all the narratives, all this, that, and the other who end up playing in the Super Bowl. So like you feel good about that team that was able to do that to a team like that in a moment like that. It was a regular season game. So, you know, it's not that important. And even at the time we were saying, Hey, this game doesn't even really matter, but it feels like it matters more than any other game. So moments like that, they do it to the dolphins too. Those were great. There was a ton of great moments this season. And unfortunately the Ravens do fall short, but this is what people wanted. I mean, what, what was the narrative? Hey, they better make it to an AFC conference championship, right? Then they get there and then everybody's pissed again. So just what's the point? That's um, just, you know, that's just the world we live in, I guess. And recency bias and the, all of those quick, easy things. But I think this was a special team. I think this was a memorable season. I'll remember this team. I'll remember this Lamar Jackson situation, the uncertainty leading into this year, turning into such a good team that made such a good run. And I had a lot of fun this year. We did Exit 52 together this year. You know, we switched our platform and did all of that. So I think of this year fondly in that sense as well. We appreciate all of you guys. If you're still hanging out with us about an hour and 25 minutes in here, uh, we love you. And we're happy to continue rolling. I think we planned on doing a off-season preview next week, which will be fun. And we love the off-season. The off-season's fun. That's where it's kind of like Madden, right? You get to do the mock drafts. You get to do the free agency. You can sign this, that, and the other. Debate the philosophical and kind of debate yourself. So it's fun. We had a ton of fun. I loved it. I love this season. And I do think the Ravens will come out of the AFC next year. I do think it's time. I think the stars align. And then they do have enough scar tissue to go forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Like you said, hour and a half in very much appreciate all of the engagement. Uh, drop a comment, drop a like, drop a subscribe button, you know, get that algorithm pumping for us on YouTube approaching 2000 subscribers. So let's keep that rolling. You can find us on social media at exit 52 podcast across Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. That is L O U Q U E Spencer is at Ravens Four dummies. That is the number four in the middle. Brian is at Barstool banks, Taylor at Taylor's my 10 Eric at EDI TTI 22 and get yourself some tailgoat tickets. Do it now. Uh, while they're hot, say hello to Lisa there as she's <laughs> popping in. Uh, Lisa, any words for the folks here before we get out? Oh, there's always next year. There's always next year. Very well said. Very well said indeed. And we will talk to you guys again very soon. We'll see ya. See ya. Arrivederci.
worked really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust, baby. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me